What is good guys, welcome to Top House Sports, where we analyze and break down sports games from the week, as well as our reactions and predictions from this past week. I'm Hanso Chu along with Kaden Mutamid, and we have a lot to talk about, so let's get started. And the thing that's been going all around the sports world right now, the big upset from Saudi Arabia, they won this morning against Argentina 2-1. And I'm not sure if you saw the bet for this one, Kaden, but Saudi Arabia was a plus 2,000 to win this game. So that's a really big underdog for Saudi Arabia. And they were were able to pull this game off. And I know you watched this game. What was your reaction from this one? And what did you take away? I mean, I'm going to be honest. I really, like, during the entirety of the game, it looked like Argentina was in control. Like, I, I believe they had possession for definitely around, like, I don't know, three quarters of the game, I swear. And for to see them just dominate that game in that aspect and still come up short... It's crazy to think that they put that Saudi Arabia really pulled this out. Oh, definitely. I mean, after the penalty goal from Messi within like the first 10 minutes of the game, I was like, oh, this game's already, I think that you could call this one wraps already. Like Messi already scored. This is only 10 minutes in. Like I was not ready to see what was going to go on the rest of the game. I was going to think Argentina was about to score at least like five or maybe even six goals during the whole game. And I think the big reason why the game kind of shifted towards Saudi Arabia was the 10 offside penalties from Argentina. Um, the two f- offside penalties in like the first 20 minutes, two of them resulted in a goal before getting called back for offside. So if they weren't offside, they, that would have been a 3-0 lead for Argentina. That would have shifted the whole game completely. I mean, with a 3-0 lead for Argentina, I mean, if you're Saudi Arabia, if you see that, I think that's kind of wraps already. Like that game is done. They could kind of call it quits already. But since those two goals were called back, I think that kind of gave Saudi Arabia hope that, hey, like we could still win this game. We're still able to come back and kind of score and that's that's exactly what happened as Saudi Arabia continued to play great defense and they kept themselves in the game and eventually a goal from Salah Al Shari to the right side of the goal to tie the game at the 48 minute mark tied the game at 1-1 I mean that was an incredible goal I'm not sure if you saw that one but the defender was straight all over him and with his left foot if you saw the replay he kicked it between the defender's leg into the right side of the goal that was a beautiful shot from him and the momentum shifted after that goal after that score like, the Saudi Arabia crowd went crazy. The players have hope. The game is tied now. And then from the game where you come in thinking, ah, oh, shoot, I have to play Argentina. This game is not going to go well. The doubt that was in their heads in the beginning of the game is all gone. Now they have momentum. Now they have the thoughts of, hey, we could actually win this game. Like, this game is going to be a win for us. Whether it's a tie or a win, like, it doesn't matter. This is a win for them. Now they have momentum. And now they have hope that they can win this game. And soon after, Salem Al-Dasari had the soccer ball. And after being defended by three Argentinians, he was able to evade all of them and kick a beautiful goal toward the right side of the goal. And that was just a beautiful shot again from them. And that gave them a 2-1 lead. And after that, Argentina was on their heels after that goal. And they weren't able to score thanks to great goalkeeping from the goalkeeper, Mohamed Al-Owais, if I'm saying that correctly. I mean, he had such an incredible goalkeeping performance from like the 80 minute mark all the way to the end of extra time he was able to make plays after plays save goals i think there was two of them where i saw messi had um an attempt from his head using his head to try to hit the ball toward the goal and another of the argentinian players he tried to headbutt the ball into the goal and he was just there at the perfect time to catch the ball i mean what do you think of his performance I mean, honestly, that was crazy. Like, this this entire game really had a different feel to it. Like, I mean, there, there, that one play where 
the goalie was out of position and the ball was safe from going in the net by the defender and he used his head, I, I, I was in shock. I was like, there's no way that just happened because it's such a clutch play. Like, it, it's just risky. Really, really risky, especially going with your head too. But what a what a fantastic play and really a game-saving play. And I also wanted to talk about the fact that while Argentina, they did have 15 shots on goal, they only did convert one of those shots. And I believe... Uh, um, Saudi Arabia had a total of three shots in the entirety of the game, and they made two, two of their three shots. And so, just expand, expanding on the opportunities that present themselves for Saudi Arabia, they really did a good job of that this game. And so, they, I, I really think they deserve this win. Well, definitely. I mean, even the refs, I felt like they were kind of siding toward Argentina a little bit. I mean, when you look at this box score, too, there were 21 fouls called on Saudi Arabia in this game compared to only seven from Argentina. Six yellow cards assessed to Saudi Arabia to zero for Argentina. So when you look at that, fouls and yellow cards, even the refs are kind of helping Argentina a little bit. And I was watching, some of them were kind of controversial. I know that Messi won near the end of the game where... He tried to attempt the goal, and then I think he kind of sold it a little bit. The defender kind of pushed him on the back, but he kind of sold. He sold the play. He like flopped on the ground, jumped in the air, all that, on the all the antics right there. And the defender was charged a yellow card for that play, which I thought was pretty unfair. That did not seem like a yellow card worthy type of play. And unfortunately, Messi wasn't able to score. The ball went out of bounds over the top of the goal, but. Even with all the odds against them, even when the refs were against them, this was a classic game of grit and grind. A classic game of putting your heart into it and not and not stopping until the end of the buzzer. I mean, great play from Saudi Arabia. They it seemed like they just wanted the ball more. They wanted this game more than Argentina. Yeah, no, definitely showed a lot more effort in the ways that mattered. I mean, while Argentina was really just taking over the game offensively, they still managed to put a stop to that as a whole, even if it took several fouls being ta- like taking place even if it took maybe a little bit of just grit and, or grind grit and grind for that like just diving in and possibly hoping that you save the ball somehow it's just they really did a great job of executing an underdog win like as any team could really in this world cup oh definitely i mean argentina also had 69 percent of the possession throughout the whole game and 15 shots on goal like you said Argentina was on the offensive near the end of the game and they just weren't able to get any going because at the in the beginning of the game it seemed like Argentina had a game plan of scoring early and slowing the game down and trying to waste as much time as possible and that really hurt them at the end because instead of doing that Argentina kind of played down to the level of Saudi Arabia and it kind of backfired on them because Saudi Arabia was able to score twice in the span of less than 10 minutes and their whole tactic and strategy of slowing the game down and trying to waste as much time as possible completely shifted. Now they have to try to score on the offensive and that really threw their momentum off, threw the strategy off in the game as we saw a 2-1 to win from Saudi Arabia. And if you're Argentina, where do you go from here? Well, it's a disappointing loss, but you're not out of it. And you know your team's capabilities. You have arguably the best player in the entire world on your team. I think that you're just don't dive into it too deep. You need to bounce back, of course, in the future games. And so focus on the future instead of sulking in the past is really what I'd say. Yeah, I mean, for Argentina, this loss is this one's going to hurt a lot. And as a as a player, as a team, when you're favored by like by that much like when Saudi Arabia betting odds are plus 2000 so you have such a great win 
such a great chance of winning this game and you just played down to the level of Saudi Arabia, this is just unacceptable. As Argentina, I think they're favored as the number third team to win the World Cup. And when you have such high odds of winning the World Cup, such high odds of winning it all, you have arguably the best player in soccer history in Lionel Messi. Like, you, this is just unacceptable. You can't allow this to happen. And when you play down to your... When you play down to your opponent, Kaden, I know you hear this a lot in basketball of playing your game, not playing down to your opponent, because we all know what happens when you do that. Like, you play down to the level of your opponent, and you get caught up with what happens, and soon, sooner than later, like, that's going to come and bite you, and that's what happened to Argentina. Saudi Arabia was able to exploit their weaknesses and play a better game than Argentina, because when you give the underdog hope, that's the biggest like, that's the worst thing that you can do as a team that's being favored. When you give hope to the underdogs, the game is almost completely over for you because now they have hope that they can win. And when that happens, it's almost like it's completely almost impossible to stop a team that has that much hunger and that has so much heart as an underdog. It is almost impossible to stop. And let's move on to the NFL. And what a crazy week 11 this was. So many great games. But let's talk about the one in particular. I know you're a heavy favorite for this one. The Jets and the Patriots, a 10-3 win. What was your reaction from that game? I mean, honestly, first, I want to start by mentioning that both defenses for each of those teams are not to be messed with. Like, I think they both proved just how dominant they really are as we saw multiple times where it was just three and out, three and out, three and out. And it wasn't because the offense was looking terrible all the time. But it was more so that they, this defense was just getting everywhere after it. And it, it was just a dogfight, really. Up until the end, of course, we know what happened. The punt return for 81 yards for um, Marcus Jones, the Patriots rookie. Um, that was a crazy turn of events. And so just to lose on such a note, it, it kind of like stings a little bit if you're, if you're like a Jets fan or even just a, a Jets player in general. Oh, definitely. And... Uh player that is in big controversy right now Zach Wilson on that game 9 of 22 77 yards total and get this negative 21 passing yards in the second half negative 21 that means you're moving the ball backwards instead of <laughs> forward that is completely the opposite goal of what you're trying to do in the game of football moving the ball backwards but after the game a reporter asked him about being him being accountable for this loss and Zach Wilson denied all claims of accountability saying it wasn't on him laying the defense down what was your reaction to that statement from Zach Wilson? It's kind of a selfish move. I'm not gonna lie. Like it's it's it to put this down and say, oh, it was the defense. That's an excuse. You don't want to ever say that. You want to take accountability. Clearly, if you had a bad game, it's up to you to admit that to yourself and to your teammates. And it's okay to take accountability. And that's where leadership comes in. And again. We saw leadership take off this year for maybe quarterbacks like Justin Hurts, Tua Tagovailoa, but that's because they don't do things like this, which is not take accountability when you need to. And so, yeah, just another thing that makes me think that the Jets are a lot less legit than we may think. But while they have very good talent, they don't don't get me wrong with that. They have very good talent. They're still just a QB way. Definitely. Um, I think some of the players are already unhappy with Zach Wilson before this game. They're kind of unhappy about the way he's been doing things the way he's been playing and all that stuff but when you don't take accountability that just kind of shows a lot about you as a person and you on the field as the quarterback position your responsibility is to lead this team you're the person that is in charge of leading this offense you're the person that everyone looks to when the game is on the line and when you don't take accountability for your actions that's going to lose a lot of respect from your teammates as well 
And when your teammates don't trust you, that's going to create a lot of problems, especially with this Jets team that is looking to be in the playoff hunt this year. And they've been exceeding all expectations. So when your leader is not taking accountability, what makes you think the players on your team, the teammates on your team can trust you to lead them? When the game is on the line, what makes you think that your teammates have your back? And when you don't take accountability, this type of stuff happens. And when you're Zach Wilson, you just have to take the blame for your loss. When you're the leader, you take the blame for what happens. You take the blame about what mistakes were made. You are the leader, you take the blame. When good things happen, everyone looks to you as the superhero, the hero that did it all, the guy that saved the day. But when that's that's what a leader does. You take the blame for what happens when things go wrong and you have the praise when things go right. That's what a leader is defined as. And for Zach Wilson in the quarterback position, negative 21 passing yards in the second half. That's just unacceptable. And I, I know you're playing the Patriots. The Patriots have always given you troubles. But at what point do you overcome your troubles, right? At what point do you step up your game and show them who you are? I mean, you were drafted in the top five in the year that you were drafted. Second. Second, second, second overall. overall, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, this is what makes good players from great and great to elite. They are able to break through their weaknesses. They're able to break through that team that has their number. For example, Michael Jordan with the Detroit Pistons, right? The Detroit Pistons always had his number until he was able to break through and finally defeat them. LeBron with the Boston Celtics, right? They always lost to the Celtics, and eventually LeBron was able to overcome that and beat them. If you're a quarterback and you're, like, drafted number two overall, you're drafted with high ex- expectations to be the franchise QB and lead the Jets, and you have troubles against the Patriots. When are you able to rise over that and beat the Patriots and show your dominance and show why you're the number two overall pick? Because when stuff like this happens and you don't take blame for yourself, it just kind of shows who you are. You're kind of soft. You're not that guy. You're not the person able to lead this team. And when that happens, I mean... There's a lot of trouble that could go down to this franchise, and I'm pretty sure they are looking elsewhere at the quarterback position right now. Yeah, I have to agree, and I also wanted to mention a couple other things. Um, first off, I wanted to say Matthew Judon, my pick as of right now to get the Defensive Player of the Year, had his imprint on this entire game. And it's honestly something that I really like have started to see more of this like this year for this from this Patriots defense is the collectiveness and how he brings he may not cause like some sacks because or no he may indirectly cause some sacks through pressure he gets and then another Patriot breaks through and so he's always creating plays and it's just something like I don't know I feel like he's one of the best edge rushers in the league if uh, up there with TJ Watt and those other Mike, Micah Parsons of course like this defensive player of the year race is going to be so tough, but I think those three really are all deserving of it. No, maybe not TJ Watt because he's been injured, but Micah Parsons and Matthew Judon for sure. Definitely, and the Patriots right now, I think they're in the playoffs right now, in the playoff hunt. So if they do make it, it's going to be solely based on this Patriots defense. They've been playing phenomenal. They have been more consistent as they were in the beginning of the year. But let's go back to the Jets real quick. I touched about it a little bit with the Jets maybe looking somewhere elsewhere in the quarterback position. But for you, Caden, do you think the Jets should bench him and move someone like Mike White or Joe Flacco to the starting position? That is tough. Honestly, Joe Flacco is a hard pass. I know he he may honestly be a better fit for this team right now and may even win them more games. But it's, you still, like, the young talent is still there with the, uh, I'll say other two players, Mike White and eh, Mike White, no. 
Mike White, I can't. Like, see, both of those players, they just don't have the ability to improve that much in my eyes as to where I think Zach Wilson is not even close right now, but he still has the ability to get somewhere, like, above them in a way that I think he can be the leader for this team. But it's just, it's so tough. It's like it's like the uh, Ben Simmons situation, really, too. It's like he was so good, but will that contribute to what the team wants to do? And it's it's not looking good for either of them right now. It's a tough choice for me because I think Joe Flacco played pretty well to open up the year. Um, and when Zach Wilson got back into the starting role, I don't think any of the wide receiver has touched over 100 yards since. I think against the uh, Patriots, that was the only game where Zach Wilson had, I would say, a pretty good game. He did throw three interceptions against their last meeting with the Patriots. But he also had 355 passing yards and two touchdowns. But I think since then, it's been kind of a struggle. And they relied on Brees Hall to carry this offense. And when he went down, they kind of relied on Michael Carter and James Robinson to carry this offense. But when they're down in the box score and they need to pass the ball, these wide receivers, they have not hit 100 100 receiving yards since that Jets-Patriots game back on October 30th. So it's been almost a month since any of those wide receivers that hit over the 100-yard receiving mark. Mike White last year showed flashes of brilliance, but also flashes of why he's the backup quarterback for this Jets team. It's kind of hard, though. You have to kind of touch up on the wide receivers, the players on offense as well, because we talked about it last episode with Taylor Heineke, Carson Wentz, Yes, Carson Wentz is the better quarterback, but the players want Taylor Heineke to be on the helm because they trust him more, they play better with him. Now, let's look at the Jets right now. Joe Flacco started the year pretty well. A lot of his wide receivers went over the 100-yard receiving mark, and I think a lot of the players liked playing with Joe Flacco. So if we do that same comparison with the Commanders and the Jets, yes, Zach Wilson may be the better quarterback, but not sure if the players really want to play with Zach Wilson and they'd rather play with a player like Mike White or Joe Flacco so it's hard to see which type of quarterback they want the offense wants to play with you know what I mean yeah no I definitely understand what you mean and yeah it's just really a matter of what familiarity the rest of the offense really feels their like best like they're best in the hands of like whether it's Zach Wilson or um yeah definitely a tough choice but for me I think that maybe for one or two weeks they should bench Zach Wilson and see how the offense does and respond to a different quarterback play. Because I know right now, um, I think Sauce Gardner recently, uh, there's been reports that Sauce Gardner liked a tweet about a person or reporter flaming Zach Wilson on his lack of accountability, and Sauce Gardner liked that tweet. So I think a lot of the players are unhappy with Zach Wilson right now, so maybe bench Zach Wilson for a week or two put him with either Mike White or Joe Flacco, see where that goes, and I think they can move on from there. That's what my take would be for this one. And let's talk about the Raiders and Broncos for a quick second. The Raiders, again, another sweep for the Broncos. 22-16 win in overtime, and I think this game just kind of proved Devontae Adams is another reason why he should be considered the best wide receiver in the NFL. What do you think? I I think he he has been. I think he still is. Yeah, on all cylinders, really, like, no offense, but he made Pat Sertain, arguably a top corner, look silly. <laughs> like, really silly. And so, I don't know, man. Devontae has a way of just, like, really establishing his presence on the field in a way that we ha- really haven't seen before. Whether it's just, like, 
um, confusion, really, that he places when he's going down the field. You expect him to do something, but he does something that's not even, like, fathomable. It's just he's such a good talent, and I'm glad that he still has a quarterback that's capable, somewhat capable of getting him the ball. I mean, it was a really rough start for this team in the beginning, and they're starting to maybe turn things around a little bit. Don't know if they'll really be able to make a playoff push, but again, yeah, I I still think that Devontae Adams is by far the best wide receiver in the NFL. Whenever the Raiders play the Broncos, it's kind of unfair for me as a Broncos fan because the Raiders always just somehow play their best whenever they're playing the Broncos. So this is not an overreaction for me. I don't think the Raiders are going to make the playoffs. Great game from Devontae Adams. He showed the reason why he is the best wide receiver in the NFL. But let's talk about the Broncos. They just released Melvin Gordon um, after the game. And I think this is a right step for the Broncos in terms of changing up what went wrong during the season. I think Melvin Gordon was way overdue of being released. There's just been too many times where he has the football and he just ruins the momentum of the drive by fumbling the, the ball away. We saw that last time against the Raiders. They had the lead. They had a drive going and he fumbled the football resulted in a defensive touchdown for the Raiders and turned the whole game around last time. This time around, he had the same exact scenario. Broncos on a drive in the red zone, about to score three points on a field goal or maybe even get a touchdown to honestly put the game away, kind of have a, get a comfortable lead over the Raiders. Fumbles the ball away, gives the ball back to the Raiders, and we all know what happens afterwards. So long overdue, Melvin Gordon, he should have been released, and he was released. But I think the the head coach, too, Maybe it's a little early, but I think I have no faith in Daniel Hackett anymore. There's no way this guy should have a head coaching job anymore. There's no leadership from this guy. His play calling, I mean, he even gave the play calling duties to the offensive coordinator. So what is he there to use? Like, he's not the, he does not run the defense. The defense has been playing phenomenal, and I know certainly he does not run the defense. He's an offensive-minded head coach, and he could not even run an offense correctly. He has to give it up to the offensive coordinator. So what is he used for? I am honestly don't know. I think they just need to change the head coach. I mean, there's no leadership in this place for the Broncos. Russell Wilson has not been playing his best either. And there's going to be a lot of changes coming around for the Broncos, I would say, in the next future. And let's move on, lastly, to the Thanksgiving football. A lot of great games, and I think this is one of the best Thanksgiving football schedules we've had in recent memory, I would say. And let's start it off with the early game with the Bills and the Lions, and let's take it. Who do you have winning this game? This is easy. I mean, um, Bills and primetime football, although it is in the Lions stadium, I don't think they're going to be a match for this team, really, so I'll take the Bills. Me too. I don't think this should be any easier of a win for the Buffalo Bills. Give me the Bills over the Lions. I think Josh Allen's going to have a great game. Stephon Diggs is going to have a great game, and he's going to have a bounce-back game after being held under 100 yards. I think he's going to have over 120 yards in Thanksgiving over the Lions. Yep, yep. And the next game, I feel like, is going to be really, really good. I don't know. It's the NFC East matchup, of course, the Giants versus the Cowboys. What do you think is going to go for that game? How do you see that going out? I think this should be the primetime game on NBC, I would say. This is such a great matchup, but I have the Cowboys winning this one. The Giants, they have an 8-3 and record tied with the Cowboys, but I still don't trust this offense. Uh, Saquon Barkley has been great, but he was kind of stopped by the Commanders last week, and I don't think it's going to get any easier for the Cowbo- against the Cowboys, who held the Vikings to just three points after the Vikings had a phenomenal game against the Buffalo Bills. So this Cowboys defense is no joke. They're going to force Daniel Jones into a lot of trouble, have him trouble passing the football, and Saquon Barkley, I don't think 
he's going to get anything rolling against the Cowboys. I would say Saquon will have under 50 rushing yards in this ballgame. And give me the Cowboys over the Giants. Yeah, honestly, I'd have to agree there. The stellar play from the Cowboys defense is really making me think that the um, the Giants are going to struggle this game because they do not have any weapons on offense in my eyes besides maybe Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. So with Wandale Robinson also going out to injury, it just brings upon just like the inabilities for this offense to co- cohesively work without the necessity of having like um Saquon take over the game in ways he has already but that's just not reliable and so also the Cowboys offense with CD um bringing in racking those targets the multi-touchdown games too it's looking really good for them I we knew he was going to be capable of this too it's just like it's a matter of does he have to do this on a nightly basis to prove himself no but it would be nice too because there's not really any other production for like solid like production for any other wide receiver on the Cowboys besides Michael Gallup and we really haven't seen much of him this season so again he has to carry that load offensively for them to win this game definitely and Tony Pollard for the Cowboys if you saw last week against the Vikings he had almost 200 scrimmage yards in the game I mean this guy has this guy has been phenomenal he honestly I would say should be the starting running back over Zeke what do you think no it's not even a debate at this point the stuff that he's put up like these stat lines not only the stat lines but just the constant like progression of how good he's gotten we know he's a he's like a capable runner like he's so fast reaches into the like 20s even and so um just hit that coupled with the fact that he can also provide some power He's a very dynamic back, and to see him also use his catching ability to score touchdowns as well, it's something that you love to see. And so while Zeke may be not like all of himself, he's still a solid running back, and so they're going to have to make a decision. But I think that if they were to make the decision to start Pollard over Zeke, it'll pay dividends because he's going to get paid this next offseason. So they either have to convince him that they want him to be the number one here and for him to stay, or... They're going to have to deal with Zeke's $17 million contract. Definitely. And let's move on to the final game on Thanksgiving. Your Patriots against the Minnesota Vikings. And I'll let you choose this one first. Now here, I was riding the Vikings wave pretty much the entire time from when they were 2-1 and one all the way to 7-8-1. or eight and, one. and so it's tough to see them lose by 37. But they played a legit Cowboys defense and there was just no production. And... It's, I feel like, comparable. Like, this, the Patriots' defense is toward the top of the league, if not on the same level as the Cowboys. And so they're going to have a real challenge in this game. But one thing I can confidently say is that I do trust the Vikings' offense far more than the Patriots' offense. And so I think that there's going to be a low-scoring game for sure because of this coupled with all one another. However, I see the Vikings coming up top let's say 17 to 14 i do have the vikings winning this game this game is going to prove either the vikings are legit or they're not going to make a super bowl run good teams are able to respond and good teams are not good excuse me great teams are able to respond after a bad loss and great teams are able to fix their weaknesses in a week and get back on track if this vikings team is really a super bowl contender team i believe this game it's going to be an easy win for them. Justin Jefferson should have another 100-yard game if the Vikings are really that team. Kirk Cousins should throw over 250 yards, maybe even 300 yards, if the Vikings are that team. Now, 
if they win in a tough, close battle, like you said, maybe 17-14, yeah, this is a good bounce-back game, but I don't think this would put them over the top as a Super Bowl favorite. The only reason I would say the Vikings are a legit team is if they blow the Vikings out of the water and put up at least 30 points. Then I can safely say that the Vikings are a Super Bowl contending team. Yeah, for now, I have to say, after that game, I think the Cowboys are honestly my favorite to come out of the NFC. And that speaks volumes because there's three comparable NFC teams that you can put into that conversation as well with the Giants and the Eagles. But for now, I see them making that jump because they proved themselves in a dominant win in fashion last week. And so I don't think that the Vikings may be the favorite anymore. And as you said, they need to come back in dominant fashion to convince me otherwise. Definitely. I mean, I think the 49ers got something to say about that. They had a great game against the Cardinals on Monday night, but I think that's another topic for another day. And that's all we have for today. And for more episodes, check on Top House Sports on Spotify. I'm Hansel Chill, Law with Kaden Matamid, and we'll see you next time.